welcome back to another episode of Life is Messy. It's an honor to have all of you here. In today's episode, we dive into the Chicago adventure of life alone in the big city. Well, the suburb of the big city. Well, both, I guess. Anyway, as always, there will be love, humor, and soldiering on. If you're listening for the first time, thank you for joining us. However, for your own enjoyment, please go back and start from episode one. This series is my personal story and is best heard as told. It is my personal story, truth, and experience. Names in this podcast have been changed to maintain confidentiality. Mine is mine, of course, and that of my son, who said he was okay with me using his real name. As I was writing this week's episode, it dawned on me how many of us are doing life on our own. Where did this stigma or paradigm even come from? We are, after all, communal beings, social and community-driven. I don't think we were ever supposed to raise ourselves, raise kids on our own, try to figure out this complicated, beautiful, and messy existence on our own. I'm just not buying into it. It's utter bullshit. But I did buy into it for a really long time. And it's hard to be on your own, to always be the strong one, the one that knows how to get everything done. What's hardest, at least for me, was asking for help, for admitting that I was in over my head. No, I haven't found an obstacle that I couldn't overcome yet. Not because I shouldn't have, but because I was too proud, insecure, and guarded to be vulnerable, to show my tenderness, my fear. I wanted to believe in myself, have my son believe in me. I didn't want anyone to have any reason to make fun of me, underappreciate me, underestimate me. I was going to be on top, in charge, in control, even if it kept me from really living, connecting, and being. And for a long time, I was a freight train that had no set speed limit and no stopping point. I was just going and going and going. Why stop the trend here? Let's get going on this episode. Off to Evanston, Illinois, to a new adventure, to a new life with Avery. All that we brought with us were our clothes and items that the group or my mom had given me. We had bought a mattress that was on the floor. It was our only furniture and we shared it. I would slowly get items for the house over time. I did what I could, but at least we were out of the group and free to be us. We got to Evanston and had to get settled quickly, as Avery started school the very next week and I started my job in school as well. It was all new and overwhelming, but as always, I just took one step, then the next. Not thinking about where we were, what I was trying to overcome and accomplish. Nothing. I just had to keep my head up and my feet moving. I managed to find Avery a before and after school program at the YMCA though in Evanston and had gotten him into a private school per Rick's strong encouragement. Monday came and I dropped Avery off at the YMCA and as I was leaving the woman at the front desk said you didn't fill out the emergency contact. I said I put my mom. She said yes but she's in Denver. We need someone local. I said I don't know anyone here. We just arrived three days ago so we'll have to do. She said ma'am I'm sorry but I will need you to put someone local. I looked at her name tag and said, Rita, you seem like a nice woman. Can you add yourself to my emergency contact? Thank you, and walked off hurriedly to catch my train. Something happened in Chicago. I wouldn't say it was a new feeling, but there was a lot more of it. The feeling of being supported by unknown forces, things happening for me. I felt like I was in alignment and exactly where I was supposed to be. Really for the first time since having Avery, I honestly felt like we were going to be okay. We were going to survive, and maybe even thrive. One such example was that I didn't know anyone, and I needed a trustworthy babysitter for Avery while I was at school. My classes were every Tuesday and Thursday evenings, and every other Saturday all day. 
so I needed help with Avery. Well, within a day of being there, one of Avery's teachers at the YMCA said she would watch Avery. She was amazing and said she would pick him up from school, make him dinner, do his homework with him, and put him to bed, just in time for me to start classes. She saved us. My job was nothing special. I was able to transfer from Denver and had a job as a waitress in downtown Chicago. Well, I only worked there a total of three times before I realized there was no way I could do it. It wasn't enough money because I could only work days. I was going to have to find something else. And as fate would have it, right around our apartment, there was a Polish architecture design firm, and I decided to see if they needed any help. I walked in and asked if they were hiring. The woman I talked to looked me up and down and said, no, we don't need any help. I looked past her, though, at what must be the boss of the firm and saw that he was coming out of his office, and I said, hi, I'm Eva. I assume you run this firm. He looked at me and smiled and said, yes, I do. This is my architecture firm that I started five years ago. I asked him if he needed any help, and I meant anything. Property management, admin, filing, whatever was needed. He asked if I'd ever done this type of work. I laughed and said, actually, no, but I'm a quick learner and can be counted on to stick around and do a good job. I told him that I just moved there with my son from Colorado and was going to school in the evenings and would appreciate any work that he might have. He smiled at me and said, I appreciate your honesty and your energy. You start Monday. He didn't pay me a lot, but enough to make it. Well, almost enough to make it. I was also taking out school loans and using credit cards, a strategy the group had showed me. In fact, I left with a credit card that they had so graciously ran up, but Rick said that since I was choosing to leave the group, they didn't have to pay it down. Oh well, that was the least of my concerns at the time. Avery and I started to find our groove and we really enjoyed Evanston. I now had a full-time job, was taking a full load of graduate courses, and was frankly <laughs> exhausted. But I loved being with Avery and having our own space, our own reality, our own. My graduate program was designed for working professionals, but I would say there was only about eight of us in the course that could be defined this way. Our small group of eight were older adults with families and or full-time jobs. The rest were average college students, which was fine. It was just laughable to hear the majority complaining about their parents not giving them enough allowance or being hungover, while the eight of us were just dreaming about the next time we could get eight hours of sleep. Oh, to be young and unencumbered. The schedule was intense for me. I had classes twice a week in the evening, had homework most nights until past midnight, then had school every other Saturday all day. So sleep once again became elusive, but it all felt like it was worth it. At the beginning of school, I met a woman who worked at a consulting firm. It wasn't Deloitte or IBM, but it was a big firm and I wanted in. This is what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be. I could feel it and taste it. I would do anything to get my foot in. I talked to the woman and told her all of this. And I don't know, maybe I was a little too intense for her, but she just looked at me and said, yeah, I'll let you know if anything comes up. Well, I would ask her every month or so, have I mentioned I can be tenacious? And one day she came into class and said there was a project coordinator position opening up, that it was an entry-level position, but somewhere to start. She would send me the link to apply. I applied immediately and got called in for an interview. I was excited and terrified. I knew that I got the interview because of my friend at school. My resume didn't exactly match what they were looking for. I went in though and did the best that I could. I was young and hungry, but trying to come off confident and calm, etc. The interviews went well, all four of them. I went home and waited. 
I got a call the next week and was told that I got the job. They could start me off at 32000 a year. This may not sound like a lot, and it really wasn't, but it was my first real job with a title, benefits, and I had a lot of room to grow. I didn't know the concept of negotiating my pay or salary at this point, so I just agreed quickly before they changed their mind. Now, to be real, the salary didn't cover our costs, so I took out more loans and continued to run up my credit cards. But I just knew this opportunity would pay off. It was starting to happen. I was starting to make headway on my dreams. We were getting somewhere. I should mention that at this time, no one in my family, on both sides, all generations, had a graduate degree. This was a big deal. But most of my family thought I was crazy for moving to Chicago to get my grad degree. They said I wouldn't make it, that I was being selfish, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes we have to take a leap of faith, believe in ourselves under the things guiding us. Well, for me, I felt like I was constantly taking leaps. So I guess I was getting better at jumping, or at least I hoped I was. First things first, I needed to buy suits. So I went to the mall. I had never needed them before and didn't even know where to begin. I managed though and was ready to start on Monday, my first grown-up job. I felt like such an adult and a total fraud. I felt like throwing up and pooping all at the same time. I always say this is a good sign that you are pushing your growth edge. Around this time, enter stage left. I met a man. Shocked, aren't you? His name was Tim, and we met at the park one day near my apartment building. I was playing with Avery, and he was playing with his boys. I learned that he also lived in our apartment building, and that he'd been coming for a couple of weeks trying to get my attention. For the most part, yes, I've had several relationships at this point. But love tended to find me. It's not like I didn't want to be in love. I just had my hands full. I wasn't looking for anything at that point, really. And, to be honest, the cult had terrified me. Rick actually told me that if I slept with anyone at all, I would immediately get pregnant as I was not supposed to be looking for love. I was supposed to be living for a higher purpose. He said that my guides told him this. How fucked up is that? Well, even more fucked up was that I believed him. I may have gotten out of the cult, but the Kool-Aid was still in me and I was still boiling. Anyway, I was leery when I met Tim, but we started hanging out and I really enjoyed him. He was kind, easygoing, had two boys of his own, one older than Avery, the other younger. Well, he eventually won me over and we started dating and getting serious. Avery really liked him but was mixed about his boys, but we'll get into that later. So when I started my job, I learned that the big boss, Jen, the director of the firm who had made the hiring decision, didn't actually want to hire me. I had to take a personality assessment as part of the interview, and it showed that I was a disruptor problem solver, highly intelligent, enjoy challenges, and like to lead. Jen wasn't in love with my assessment or me and tried to hire someone else. But the other three senior consultants that had interviewed me were adamant that I get hired. They said that I was qualified and they loved my personality and collaboration. They knew that I would be a good fit. Jen caved and hired me. Of course, I didn't know this when I started, but it made sense with the way she treated me. I think leaders are either strong and appreciate having other strong people around them, or they like to have yes people around them. It's related to their confidence or lack thereof. Leaders who are secure in who they are, what they have to offer, enjoy, in fact thrive off of having strong people to lead. While leaders who are insecure, worried about being shown up, becoming irrelevant, tend to surround themselves with yes people. It's a rare leader who empowers others to lead around them. And Jen was both. She liked strong people to lead, to a point, but she also liked to be the boss and not question. 
Whatever it was, she saw something in me that made her uncomfortable, but I was pretty used to that by now. And she did hire me. Yes, she was hard on me. Very hard. In the beginning, I could never seem to please her. I think she was waiting for me to give up and quit. (laughs) But she didn't know me very well, did she? Challenge accepted. Two funny stories from the first year. First, I didn't know what kind of suits to pick out, but when I went to the store, there were suits in all different kinds of colors. I thought, if I have to wear a suit, I might as well love it. And I assumed that if they made suits in these colors, then of course they were okay to wear. So I got a light purple colored suit. Yes, take that in. I was in love with it and ready for my first client meeting. So I showed up in my full body lilac suit and one of the consultants that really liked me and fought for me to get the job saw me first. His name was Matt. Matt just looked at me and his eyes got really big. He came over and quietly said, um, Eva, I like your suit. Interesting color though. I beamed at him with a wide grin. He then said, but I need you to leave before Jen sees you. She will flip out about that suit. I began to realize what he was saying and panic started to seep in. Oh no, what had I done? I couldn't believe I messed this up. I was mortified and wanted to crawl away. I was turning to leave and just then Jen showed up. She just looked at me and said, I need you to leave before the client gets here. And sure enough, there was the client. She was mortified. The client looked at me and said, I like the suit. Bold move, my friend. I blushed and we all followed him into the conference room for our meeting. After the meeting in the parking lot, Jen said, Eva, from here on out, only wear black, gray, or brown suits. Modest, looks sophisticated. I said, of course, will do, and turned around and got into my car to drive home. Well, I cried all the way home. I felt like such an idiot. Like maybe I wasn't made for this world and I couldn't handle it. I felt beaten my first week. But I dried my tears and said to myself, oh well, shit happens. We'll go and get new suits, okay? We're learning and I'm proud of you. Keep going. Yes, a little thing you should know about me is that I like to talk to myself a lot. In fact, when I'm with people, they sometimes have to ask if I'm talking to them or myself. And so I got new suits. Then about a month later, I went to another client meeting with Matt. They offered me a soda, which seemed too good to be true. I never got free things and I found it hard to say no. So I agreed and took a cola from him. I drank it. One of the things that we found out that day is that when I drink bubbly drinks, particularly soda, I get gassy. So here we all were, all 10 of us around a huge conference table in a small conference room and I couldn't help it. I started to pass gas. They weren't easily missed either. I call them SBDs, silent but deadly. Well, Matt kept looking at me and I just blushed and tried to hold it in. I was about to get up to leave when the client just looked at Matt in dismay and gave him a questioning look. Matt just shrugged his shoulders and said, it must have been something I ate, sorry. Oh my God, I was so grateful for him. I soon went to the bathroom and it cleared. After that though, I was not allowed to drink sodas at client meetings. I learned so much at the job and was quickly picking everything up. I met a friend there that is still one of my dear friends to this day. Her name is Hannah. She was from the Philippines and we became fast friends. We shared an office for a long time, if you could call it that. It was a room in between rooms and we were essentially working at a table, but it was a start and I was in heaven. Hannah had already been working there for a while and really helped me to get up to speed. Businesses like this were interesting as there was a lot of competition and this is how I had to do it attitude. 
Some of the consultants were nice to me, wanted to see me learn and grow, and others secretly wanted to make me squirm. And there were days that I did squirm, and Hannah was there to hear me vent, help me not break something or walk out. And there were days that I was completely in my flow. Overall, I was committed to succeeding. I was not going to break. Yes, consulting has this type of energy, do or die. We had been gone for about a year when my mom came out to visit. Avery and I were so excited to see her. It's important to know that my mom didn't travel a lot, really at all. This was a big deal that she was coming to see us. She came and we started to show around our new town. Avery and I loved all kinds of food, Mexican, Mediterranean, Japanese, Thai, etc. Now to be fair, Avery had not always been this easy with food. He used to be very finicky, which I figured was okay when he was really small, but started to see it as a detriment as he got older. So one night when he was four, I made him a real meal. No more chicken nuggets, pasta, mac and cheese, etc. It was a nice meal with chicken, broccoli, and some rice. Nothing crazy. Well, he ate the chicken, but not the broccoli or rice. And I said, Avery, you have to at least try each of those before you can be excused. He just looked at me. Did I mention that he was stubborn? He said, no, thank you. I said, yes, you will at least try them or we will be here all night. Did I mention I was stubborn as well? Avery just looked at me and got real comfortable in his chair. I sighed and went and grabbed my schoolwork. We sat there for an hour and a half. It was getting close to bath time. I looked up at him. He was smirking, thinking he was going to win this one. I just said, Avery, honey, if you don't try these tonight, they will be waiting for you in the morning for breakfast and looked back down at my schoolwork. He waited a moment longer and then picked up his fork and tried them both and said, can I be excused now? I said, yes, clear your plate. Did you like either of them? He said, oh, the rice was okay. I said, good. From here on out, we will be eating normal food. I just need you to be open and try things. Start to grow your palate so you don't get stuck traveling and being the American that can't stomach anything. We smiled at each other and he ran off to bathe. Now he was closer to seven or eight at this point and he could eat anything. And I mean anything. Our favorite restaurant was sushi down the street from our house. They loved Avery in there. They called him Little Brad Pitt. And every night we went, the sushi chef made him something exotic, raw scallops, octopus, and then they would send it out to the table for Avery. On the house, he said. And Avery would always eat it, no matter what the chef sent. They loved him. So day three of my mom's visit, and we were having so much fun. We were about to leave for dinner, and I found her in my bedroom all upset. I said, Mom, are you okay? She had tears in her eyes, and she said, No, Eva, I'm not. I'm starving. I've lost three pounds since I got here. You are supposed to gain weight on vacation, not lose it. She was distraught. I said, Mom, I'm confused. Have you not liked the places we have taken you? Every time I ask, you say that you're loving it. She started to cry and said, Because I don't want to be difficult, and you and Avery seem so happy, but honey, I just want to eat a real meal tonight. I laughed and gave her a big hug and said, Of course, Mom, what would you like? She said, American, a hamburger, fries, and a ranch salad. I said, I know just the right place. So for the rest of the trip, we went to the American restaurant anytime we went out. Tim came over one night for dinner to meet my mom. She loved him. She said that he really cared for me, that I was lucky to have found him. She met his boys too and said, they're a handful but seem nice, Eva. Does Avery like them? I said, that's been the roughest part of it. Avery lives by different rules, and Tim's boys, well, they don't really have any rules. He recently got divorced, and I think he's trying to figure out discipline and boundaries. 
Avery thinks they get away with a lot of things, which they do. And I don't think they like me because I don't let them get away with a lot. We're trying to figure it out. My mom left and life went back to normal. As normal as it could be raising Avery on my own without any family or friends to help. Hannah loved Avery, but she lived in a different suburb than us, so it wasn't easy or convenient for her to spend time with us outside of work. And the most stressful part of work is they expected me to be there for them 24-7. It was just part of the role, and if I expected to move up, it was just what it was. So I dropped Avery off at daycare as soon as they opened, got on the train, and headed to Chicago. I then got back to Evanston in time to pick him up right before the daycare was closing. Avery had long days. Luckily, he loved the kids at daycare and seemed to be enjoying school. So when I wasn't at school or work, I was with Avery. When he went to sleep, I did all of my schoolwork and any work that I still needed to get done. It was tough. I was burning the candle at all ends, but I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. My school was already paying off with my job, and I loved being with Avery on my own. Avery didn't make it easy, though. After the first year, I had to take him out of private school. I just couldn't afford it. I put him in the best public school that Evanston had. Avery tended to have issues with his teachers, so on the meet your teacher night before school, I would introduce myself as Avery's mom to his teachers and let them know that I was there to support them, that they could call or email me anytime if they ever needed anything. They would just look at me a little odd and never call me for support. I would hear about what Avery was up to at the parent-teacher conferences, and it was rarely good. They would tell me how he was misbehaving, getting other kids not to behave, talking back to them, etc. I would listen and then say, Hmm, that's weird. Did I miss a call from you guys? Or an email by chance? They would look guilty and say, no. I would say, because this is precisely what I said I was here for. We are all in this together, and it doesn't help knowing all of this now. The patterns have been developed. Wouldn't it have been nice to have called me in the beginning? We could have nipped this in the butt. Either way, I will talk to Avery, and I will support you, but please call or email if you need me. So Avery and I would have a talk, and I would say, you know what I'm about to say. You are grounded from all of your electronics until I hear a good progress report from your teachers. You have to learn to be in situations that you don't want to be in, that don't feel natural, but that we have to do anyway. He would say, I can't stand my teachers. They're idiots and mean. They're petty and always single me out. And I would say, adults should act like adults, Avery, but I find that's rarely the case. You have to be the mature one. Lift your chin up and do what's right, even if you don't agree with them or like them. Life is full of people and situations like this. The sooner you figure out how to maneuver in school, the sooner life will be easier. Avery was a smooth talker too. I remember in third grade in the parent-teacher conferences, the teacher said, Miss Nelson, well, I'm so glad to see you. I didn't know if you'd be here. I looked surprised and said, of course I would be here. Why? She said, well, Avery told us how busy you are with work, how important it is for you. I just looked at her. She got flustered and said, he said that you're not around a lot. Don't spend time with him, that you put your career first. I looked down at him and he just looked at the ground. I looked to his teacher and said, hmm, have you tried to call me or reach out to me and didn't get a response? She said, no, but Avery would tell me every time he got in trouble that it was useless to try to reach you. I laughed, shook my head, and said, wow, you took the word of a seven-year-old even though I told you on the first night that I was available at any time and he was obviously trying not to get in trouble at home. I looked at Avery and said, I honestly don't know if I should applaud you or be angry. Either way, you were in so much trouble. And then I looked at the teacher and said, this meeting's over, but I will talk to him. I have to be honest, 
I am really upset and disappointed. Call me next time he acts up. I can't help you if you don't engage me. Wow, he was good. So needless to say, he was in trouble a lot and spent a lot of time without his electronics. The last funny story for today is the only teacher that ever called me was his physical education teacher in fourth grade. He said, Miss Nelson, I'm sorry to bother you, but Avery will not listen to me and I don't know what to do. Any suggestions? I said, yes, I would make him run laps when he's disrespectful to you. He doesn't like to be embarrassed and won't like running in front of the other kids. He said, I couldn't possibly use laps as a deterrent. I teach PE after all. It doesn't seem right to have running as a punishment. I said, well, other than that, I don't know what you can do unless you want to send him to the principal. He said, thanks. I'll figure something out. Thanks for your time. And what do you know? At the end of the week, he called back and said, Miss Nelson, I have to say, the laps are working amazingly, not only for Avery, but for the rest of the kids too. Sorry I gave you such a hard time and thank you again for the suggestion. I laughed and said, I'm glad it's working. Your job is hard enough without having kids not listen to you. Let me know if you need anything else. One day I was on the L, the subway going to work, and I got a call from Henry. Remember Avery's dad? He said he was in town. Whoa, I had not heard from him for a long time. I got excited though and thought that Avery would be thrilled to see him. I had one rule for Henry with Avery. As we were splitting, I told him, be consistent. If you're going to engage with Avery, just be consistent on how often and when you connect with him. It is so important and is really damaging if you're not. And honestly, even if it's just twice a year, be consistent so he can count on you. I, of course, was speaking from my own experience with my dad, but Henry could never live up to it, and instead of being consistent, he just bowed out and disappeared from Avery's life altogether. Henry's parents were still involved, which was great, but I didn't even know what Henry was up to. He had moved to San Francisco for his graduate degree shortly after Avery and I moved out. Like I said, it had been a while since I heard from him. So, back to the L. Henry said that he was in town for some kind of art show, that he would only be there for three days. Dot, dot, dot. Once again, our time is up today. Oh, no. You will just have to wait until the next episode of Life is Messy to learn more about the Chicago adventure. No spoiler alerts, but you will want to listen to the next one. If you are loving this series, please review it where you are listening to it. And please forward it to anyone who might be interested and or enjoy being part of the journey. Good news, everyone. My website is now live at evanelsonhealing.com. Please go and check out the healing services that I offer. I would love to work with you if you're looking to make a big shift in your life. You can find testimonials on the site. I am also excited about a new program that I am launching called Accelerated Healer Circles Grow Your Capability. They are two-month immersive experiences that meet once a week and are recommended for those looking to step into their healing capabilities grow them, and or develop their already existing skills as a healer. Get more information on my site about what the circles entail, who should sign up, what you'll get out of it, schedules, etc. Enrollment is now open and applications are due by no later than April 12th, so no pressure, but check it out. Another cool thing that I'm going to offer are my guided healing and transformative meditations. We'll meet online on Wednesday evenings. They are powerful yet gentle. Seats are limited, so yes, sign up on my website. With extreme awe, admiration, and delight for all of you, thank you for being on this journey with me. Until next time, see you on the other side.